When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Well, we've reached the end of yet another week in the turbulent world of British politics. Uh, this trust, according to the Daily Mail, has got 17 days to save her job. I'm not sure if that's enough. Uh, also, is she going to save the country? Is she going to save the economy? Quasi Kwarteng, after saying he wasn't going anywhere, uh, has been to Washington and is now coming back. So he's actually been somewhere. Uh, we're not quite sure what he was doing with the IMF. Presumably he was telling them what a brilliant chancellor he'd, uh, he'd made of himself and uh, how everything's going so swimmingly. Who can say? We've got Plank of the Week coming out uh, later on tonight, 7pm. Uh, you might not be surprised to know uh, that both Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng feature fairly heavily uh, on that show because, I mean, what are they doing? I mean, I'm sorry, does anybody know how to run this place? Jimmy Breslin, I often quote, who was an American author and journalist and columnist, wrote a book once about the Mets, the baseball team, who were famously useless at one particular period of their history. And the book was entitled, Does Anybody Here Know How to Play This Game? And that's kind of how I feel this morning, because it seems to me as though the Conservative Party is committing a mass act of Harry Kiri, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, it seems as though the plotters have been plotting ever since Rishi Sunak looked like he wasn't going to win. Rishi Sunak looks like he's been plotting ever since uh, he didn't know that he wasn't going to win. Uh, Penny Morden seems to be involved in the plotting somewhere along the line. Uh, and now there's some kind of talk of a caretaker prime minister. Has anybody heard of democracy, by the way? Richard Tice is here. We've got so much to talk about. You might have to stay for the whole show, Richard. Um, I, I mean, I just don't know where to begin, really. But we will be talking about some other things as well. We'll be talking about the brilliant idea that one prisoner's had, uh, where they put some prisoners up uh, to sit on a board which chooses who the prison warden should be. Uh, that's good. We've also got a guy being fined over 100 quid for putting putting his car in a bus lane to let an ambulance go past. So you've got a ticket for that. Uh, there's an anti-cycling story, which is always uh, mellow to my um, my happiness. Also, of course, we'll be talking uh, about Holly and Phil. We'll be talking as well about other sorts of plots going on. We'll be talking about the French and why they've decided they're not going to threaten Russia anymore. And also, why they've got such a problem with their fuel and the migrants once more. The BBC have finally caught up and gone and done some undercover shooting, uh, not that kind of shooting, undercover filming, I should say, uh, over in Calais in one of the camps where they've spoken to a human trafficker. Yes, that's right. They've finally worked out that it is a criminal enterprise. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let us get it on. Well... 
very happy Friday to one and all. Um, hopefully you're still in business. Hopefully you're still able to pay your mortgage. Hopefully you're still able to feed yourself and your family. You may not be able to put the heating on, but in this part of the world, it's not that cold. It's actually quite balmy. But Richard Tice is here. Richard, very nice to see hey, you. A very good morning, Mike. And uh, as you say, just another quiet week <laughs> in the world of British politics. But I'm going to start, actually, the show, Mike, with some, some really good news yes. about something that might surprise you, because... I don't know how I looked this morning, but I spent just over three hours in A&E last yes. night, in the middle of the night. You look as well quaffed as you always oh, do. Oh, well, bless you. Um, uh, and uh, yes, I was there because my son, uh, who has a nut allergy, yes. uh, he made the mistake of not properly checking what he was eating in right. his curry, mm. uh, had a massive uh, anaphylactic shock. Goodness me. Uh, was seriously ill, both ends, not too much description, but anyway, uh, in, the w- in the loo. And phoned the phone 999, could barely breathe, lying mm. on the floor. Amazing. Right. They, the ambulance was there within 12 to 14 minutes. Okay. The call handler uh, stayed on the line with him throughout, saying they're three streets so away. So he called his own away. ambulance, did he? Called his own ambulance. Right. He was on his own. Um, the call handler was brilliant, stayed on the line, reassured him. Uh, they came in, uh, three people, rushed him to hospital, uh, straight out the ambulance, straight into a cubicle, no waiting, and the whole thing was seamless. Uh, I went to the hospital. It's a London, central London hospital. This was hospital. at uh, Chelsea and Westminster. Okay. And I just want to have a, a massive shout out to all the staff there mm. overnight who looked after him. They were absolutely faultless. Yes. It was a it was a, a really heartening experience, mm. actually, because, you know, we hear lots of dreadful experiences uh, up and down the country, mm. which are dreadful. But it's also good, I think, to you know, where people have good experiences yeah. to actually I don't think to there's appreciate any question, that and welcome that. I don't think there's any question that the, the thing the NHS is, is really good at is emergency care. Is if you you know if you've been in a car crash or if you've had a heart attack or if something like that happens to, as it did to your son, you know emergency services are actually pretty good. Yeah. It's the, it seems to me to be the kind of the things that are not emergencies. Yes. Like for example, you know my 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 mother's fallen over and it's not an emergency as far as they're concerned. You know that that that's obviously the case mm. because it was obviously prioritised and uh, these uh, anaphylactic shocks can be life threatening. Yes. Once you get breathless and so uh, no, it was anyway. It was just a. Uh, a, a, well, that's a very good to know. positive experience. Well, because it's something to build on, isn't it? And so maybe for those of us who have these conversations on a, on a daily basis, practically, let's look at what they do well yes. and carry that into every other aspect of what they do. I think that's Whatever right. Whatever that is. It, it, exactly. And it seemed organised and the staff were incredibly friendly and it was... It was actually... It was, yeah. it was, it was calm. It was, it was sort of exactly as you would hope Comforting. and want... Uh, an A and E major department to be basically, mm. yeah, and uh, yeah. So I was. Uh, so he's okay I, I was, now. He's he's okay now, and thank you. And yeah, but just a um, a, a really positive mm. uh, positive experience. Yeah, it's good, and it's good that we can tell those stories. I think it is in, actually. I think it's, it's important. important. It's important. Yeah. And I mean, it must be just on, on off, off to the side of that. If you do have one of those allergies. It must be a nightmare to know Correct. what you no, can is, and cannot eat. He he hasn't had one for six years, actually. And, of course, inevitably what happens is you get slightly complacent. Uh, he's had it all his life. And, and, and so just uh, he, um, you know, these things happen. Mm. But um, it's it's them being able to deal with it. And uh, when you get complacent, you forget your EpiPen mm. and, you know, and so on. All of that sort it's of It's just, thing. you know, that's the nature of life. So mm. that was a positive experience. But goodness me, in the world of politics, there's not much positive going on, is there? Well, I mean, looking around the papers this morning, the Mail saying the PM's got 17 days to save her job. The Times, Tories plot Sunak and Mordant leadership. 
I mean, do they have any idea what this looks like, apart from anything else? I mean, if you're in a party which is supposedly democratically elected and you're basically sitting there deciding who it should be that runs the country because you don't like the person who was elected, albeit by a small number of people, I mean, where are we here? It's hard to know. What I do know is, according to Flight Radar 24, <laughs> Kwasi Kwarteng is due to land in about 30 minutes. Right. Uh, and um, Stand by your beds. Stand by your beds <laughs> as he comes down the steps because... Right. As you say, uh, he's been away, he's come back, he says he's not going anywhere, but in reality, it looks pretty pretty clear from uh, everything that's being reported from those very close to number 10 that they are preparing for the mother of all U-turns. Mm. And, on corporation uh, tax, At think? which point, because she stood and won the campaign on being a pro-growth tax-cutting Conservative, mm. and if actually she reverses that and goes ahead with the raising of corporation tax. Let's remember, she's she's not planning to cut corporation tax. She's planning yeah. not to raise it, which right. Sunak had, had basically yeah. uh, so committed to. Yeah, so it's not to. taking money out. So it's not, exactly. So if she now turns from being a tax cutter to a tax raiser, mm. then frankly, her whole raison d'etre is finished. Well, it's every single over. one of the, the statements that she made at all of those hustings against Rishi Sunak, where she was talking about growth and getting there by cutting taxes... Um, if, has, if, is out the window, well, isn't it? Surely. She, she quite rightly attacks the anti-growth coalition. Yeah. But if she does this, if she makes this U-turn, she's then joining the yeah. anti-growth coalition. Right. And uh, I think that uh, there's every chance that the pair of them will be ousted uh, between now and Christmas. That seems to be the mood music. Mm. Many in the Tory party think that uh, it's game over. And, of course, if they do that and they have a caretaker appointment, then quite rightly... I think the country will demand an election. Yeah, because well, Rishi it's, Sunak, it's unsustainable. Rishi Sunak was not the choice of the Conservative Party, those people who voted, because quite a few people didn't vote to begin with, because I think it was as many as 20% of them didn't vote, um, because they didn't like either Truss or Sunak. But what they really didn't want was Sunak, because they saw him as a traitor who had stabbed Boris Johnson in the back, and somebody who really was not the type of Conservative that they wanted running the country. Well, he, he showed his colours. Uh, he's what I call a con-socialist. Mm. He's a tax-and-spend chancellor like Gordon Brown. Yeah. And look, you can make that case if you want to, but actually Liz Truss, to her credit, quite rightly identified that we've got a crisis of low growth in this mm. country and the establishment seem willing to accept that. Yes. But the truth is, you can uh, grow the cake in the same way that you're very keen on growing concrete. And Thank you. Uh, it's, it's, it's really important because if you actually... It's a bit like a wedding cake. You yeah. can put more layers on it, you can grow it, yeah. you can build it, and that way... A rising tide lifts all boats. Right. Everybody gets wealthier. That's mm. what should happen. But it should start by, by growing it from the bottom up. Yes. That's the way you, you grow an economy much faster. So I think this is, um, I think it's it's really existential mm. in terms of the next 72 hours or so. Uh, and I suspect that many in the Tory party in, in Westminster don't realise that uh, essentially the whole project is, is mm. probably over. If they get rid yeah. of trusts, then then I think actually the whole project could well be over. Yeah. And uh, who knows where we go? A slightly longer-term question, I suppose, maybe difficult to answer at this moment, but, you know, when the Tories were last this bad, that was when Tony Blair got in in 97, they sort of lost the plot, they tried the, you know, back to basics, they tried the kind of high moral ground, they'd gone nowhere, they were sleazy, they were old, they were sort of tired, people were fed up. Tony Blair was this new, thrusting, kind of young youngish Prime Minister, but they were out of power for a long time. I mean, this could be the same situation, I fear. Uh, that's right. Well, uh, 
maybe you shouldn't fear it because uh, you know they've they've been in power for twelve years yeah. and the country is in the worst state that any of us can remember. Yeah. But obviously, there are many conservatives listening and watching who, quite rightly, having probably voted for Liz Truss, wanted to be given the chance, mm. uh, you know, to show herself to to prove that actually uh, her views and principles are the right ones. And I think that if they get rid of her. Uh, and and force her essentially to go back on all her principles, then, well, it'll be a test of her principles. Does she essentially say, well, if you're going to force me out, then I'll take the party to the mm. country? Yeah. I mean, you know, and th that's the key thing. Is she in power just for power's sake? Or does she actually truly believe in those principles that she won the election mm. campaign on? In which case, she needs to face them down. Yeah, and I'm not sure if any of these backbench Tory MPs who are currently plotting to get rid of her um, deserve to serve in Parliament as MPs, because they're not serving their constituents, they're certainly not serving the country, all they're doing is serving their own self-interest. I, I think that's right, I think they are, uh, they're in a, a, a terrible place uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, but the truth is, I'm not interested in them, I'm interested in the state of the country, mm. the country's in yeah. a very bad place, you know, far too much of the country, uh, it just doesn't work as it should do. Um, and there are obviously wonderful exceptions, as I touched on at the top of the hour. But but the reality is, much of the country isn't working properly at the moment after twelve years of Tory rule. And I think people are looking around and say, well, there must be an alternative. And mm. we, surely this great country of ours can do so much better. And, yeah, but um, is it really the alternative that we are being uh, given, which is Keir Starmer, Angela Rayner? Diane Abbott, let's not forget she's still there. David Lammy, are these the people you want to see running the country? Well, uh, but equally, you just have to look back at it and say, well, we've had the Tories running for 12 years and we're in a terrible state. Taxes are at their highest level. Growth is its lowest level. Uh, and these people, they've scared the markets. They've been incompetent. Mm. And the people will say, well, I'm going to look around. I'm going to see yeah. what else is out there. And it's a... Uh, and frankly, they've become a laughing stock. Yeah, but it's, no, I get it's not that. funny because because decent, ordinary, hardworking people are seeing the cost of their mortgages monthly going through the roof, mm. and and I'm afraid that is as a, a direct consequence of of their actions yeah. and their incompetence. And their incompetence, and, and and what's tragic about it is that actually their principles and philosophy of going for growth was completely right, mm. is right, and I will always stand by that. But because of the way they uh, communicated it and wanted to execute it was completely wrong. Mm. They made a complete the dog's breakfast of it. We're going to stop for a moment. Richard Tice is here. We've got plenty more to do. We've got a great picture to show you as well coming up next. We're going to talk about the migrants. We're going to talk about an awful lot more. This is Talk TV. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Well, we've been through the card. I mean, I don't know what you think of this, but obviously we want to hear from you. So do give us a call 0344 499 1000. There are still people out there in the Tory party who think it was a mistake to get rid of Boris Johnson. But we found a picture today uh, which proves that not only um, is there still some sense of uh, regret around the, the appointment of Boris Johnson, um, but they're trying to remove all trace of him apparently now. I think we can have a look at the picture now, can we? There it is. Uh, Richard, what are they doing here? So this is actually a picture of uh, uh, Boris's head made from <laughs> recycled rubbish, which is down at the, the Eden Project right. in Cornwall. And, That's more um, like his father Stanley, doesn't I it? I mean, it, well, it is. It's a pretty uh, unattractive picture, it mm. has to be said. A pretty unattractive, um, whatever it is, sort of uh, um, statue, uh, head, um, piece of art, whatever. 
and there's a huge crane which is lifting it out of its position and uh, heaven knows what they're going to do with it, whether they're going to recycle it. Well, maybe, maybe Boris is going to be recycled. Yeah. Maybe this is the clue. Well, I mean, people did say, didn't they, when he was removed, uh, rather sort of unceremonially, uh, they didn't look particularly unhappy about it because maybe he knew that this was all coming and that he will, in fact, make a, he'll make his own U-turn and come back <laughs> as a leader. I saw a piece today, and I said this actually weeks ago, but I was poo-pooed, that he was actually offered the job of the editorship of the, Daily, of the Evening Standard, um, and he's turned it down. I had I also heard that rumor. Uh, I hadn't heard that he had turned it down, but of course he would have loved that. Yeah, he would have absolutely loved that. that he would have, have been... loved it because he could have got back at all his enemies, which is what George Osborne did. Uh, completely, yes. It would be sort of almost um, history repeating mm. itself in a slightly different guise. Indeed. Let's talk about the migrant crisis because once again, I mean, it did come up yesterday in Parliament. It's at least they're talking about it more, and and the media seems to be talking about it more. The BBC have finally discovered that actually maybe it is a bit of a criminal enterprise. They've sent a secret camera crew over to Calais, uh, and this morning have released some. Well, I think it was yesterday actually released some footage of them interviewing sort of undercover interviewing, he didn't know he was talking to a, to a journalist, a people trafficker talking about how many thousands of pounds he was making. Yes, and you, you hear the whole sort of sales pitch, and it really is worth a listen, the sales pitch from the people trafficker saying how safe it is, you'll have a, a life jacket, mm. it's guaranteed, yeah. we've taken over you know dozens and dozens of children, which obviously is actually not the case. Yeah. But yeah, you hear the whole sort of sales shtick, mm. and it's a, it's a tragic reminder what we're seeing on, on this side of the channel, which is... Hundreds and hundreds are coming over at any relatively calm weather day. Mm. And uh, I mean, it's I think it's around 4,000 in the last week to 10 days. Yeah. Oh, there's been staggering numbers. And, and I suppose with every um, week that passes, the numbers will simply keep increasing because it's a guaranteed way of making money for these guys. They know when they get here that they will have a guaranteed place to stay and they won't be given any harassment of any kind. We heard from somebody the other day who rang in to say that he and a group of his friends were going to go down to one of the beaches uh, and form a sort of welcoming committee, which is clearly something which people feel strongly enough to do, but could go very horribly wrong and could end up with, with a sort I, of violent encounter. I think that the frustration and uh, anger throughout the country is growing at the politicians' inability to uh, deal with this. I mean, yes, the Home Secretary talks about it, but nothing more. Mm. The Labour Party won't even talk about no. it. And, uh, you know, what I sense is when I'm campaigning, I was up in Hartlepool the other day where, uh, as you know, I've, I've announced I'm standing in the next general election, whenever that is. And, uh, you know, people are people know that it's it's unfair. Mm. It's not right. And that, uh, it, it, in a sense, it's costing billions of pounds of our money. Yeah. And which, a time is unacceptable, which is unacceptable at any time. But at a time when we basically haven't got that and when it, whatever we have mm. got, we need to be using to try and ease the cost of living crisis, yeah. people realise it's it's doubly or trebly unfair. Mm. And it, it's really understandably winding millions of people up. Yeah. Big time. And it's also creating havoc in all sorts of parts of, uh, of our lifestyles and our economies, not least because of the number of hotels which are now blocked book, block booked, the number of um, doctor's surgeries. I saw a story yesterday uh, where apparently some people are refusing to ask for ID now in doctor's surgeries, particularly of people who might be thought to be illegal immigrants, because they don't want to be identified as that uh, in case it affects something and they might get thrown out of the country. So, you know, there's all sorts of... So one of oh, the reasons that the NHS is under so much pressure is because all of these people have come in. Uh, th there's no question, as you say, uh, the filling of hotels. You've got big companies like Serco trying to rent thousands of properties for five years. 
and, uh, and and that's contributing to the shortage of rental properties so rents go up so the knock-on effects of this is is permeating through society mm. more and more um they're running out of space in the processing centers there's allegations from the border force unions that some of these uh, illegal immigrants are being abusive and, and potentially violent mm. to some of the staff so you know the the uh, I, I think the temperature is and we haven't even mentioned is, the is Albanian uh, side of things. Which, which the, um, uh, the compassionate lovies of the likes of Care for Cali and the mm. laws, they're really embarrassed because they know it's true. Mm. Uh, they find it really difficult to admit it. But, you know, I produce the evidence mm. in writing. They have the data. They know exactly who's coming here from where mm. within a couple of days. And the government's admitted that it's now well over 50% are coming from Albania. And that is really putting the other side on the back foot. But, uh, you know, you've got this court case at the moment in the High Court, lawyers once again trying to stop the Rwanda scheme. Mm. And Sorella Braverman, in a sense, she she talks a good game, just like Priti Patel. Mm. But there's no confidence anywhere that anything will change. Mm. That is the trouble. One uh, final story to mention just happened before you came on air. Royal Mail to cut up to 10,000 jobs by August after announcing losses of £219 million. I mean... This is going to happen more and more, isn't it, as we go through the rest of the kind of the winter season and the spring. Big companies, big public sector, formerly public sector, whatever they are now, uh, just not performing. Uh, that's right. And what's really interesting about this news, and it is a, a, a huge announcement, mm. making 6,000 people redundant, uh, most of them, as I understand from the, the early statement, um, it is a compulsory redundancy. Yeah. So it's not through sort of You vo- can't voluntary. make that many voluntary, no, can you? But, but the, the company is blaming the strikes mm. and the unwillingness of the unions mm. to uh, to embrace the modernisation. And that becomes then a key battleground, yeah. whether, it's, uh, whether it's the Royal Mail, whether it's uh, the train companies. Yeah. If the unions are on the back foot on the modernisation, uh, then, you know, then I think actually it, it becomes, uh, it, it becomes a, a huge battleground mm. where you've got the, the companies themselves saying, well, look, You've got outdated, archaic, dinosaur-like working practices, which we know they have. Yeah. And I'm saying to the unions, I've said to the likes of Mick Lynch, look, if you want to uh, get a, a, a much higher pay deal and, and in a sense a percentage of the rewards, that's a reasonable debate and negotiation to have, but you've got to improve your yeah. productivity. You've got to modernise and you've got to show people that you want to make a great, prompt, most efficient service. Go for that cumulative, collectively. And then I think actually management will be much more willing yeah. to share it around. Move, move with the times. I'll finish with another piece of good news for you. Wayne in Suffolk. Good morning, Mike. When are we going to get strong government that runs this country? Richard, we need you to take over as Prime Minister. Well, I mean, I can nominate you today because uh, apparently that's what they're going to do in the Tory party. You just go, right, you, over there. You can be Prime Minister next. You're up. You know, and that's what it's like. Well, it is extraordinary. Thank you, Wayne. And look, we live in strange times. We live in very strange times. I think we'd much rather live in easy, happy times. <laughs> That's the reality. Oh, I'm getting quite used to it. I quite like it. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is, of course, the Independent Republic, Mike Graham. Richard Tice back on Sunday uh, with the Sunday Sermon and lots more great stuff all the way through the weekend with uh, everyone around here at Talk TV. Uh, we'll see you after the news. Fast Talk. Street Talk. Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk. Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. 
Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. This is the one place where you hear the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And what you don't get uh, is hysteria. There's a lot of hysteria at the moment because there's an awful lot of cameras trained uh, on Heathrow Airport. Why? Because uh, Kwasi Kwarteng just arrived on a plane from Washington, D.C., where he went uh, to take part in some talks with the IMF. Now, according to the front page of the Daily Mail, Liz Truss has got 17 days to save her job. Kwasi Kwarteng may have fewer time uh, than that, fewer days than that to save his own job. But if they are going to perform another U-turn, I think the game is going to be up, isn't it? Because surely to heavens, that's not what the people of this country want. The people of this country want and deserve to have a government which looks after the economy, a government which stops people from coming to this country illegally and keeps the borders watertight. They should have a government that can be trusted to steward the economy in such a way that the pound is relatively stable, uh, that bond prices remain reasonably good, that the Bank of England uh, should be kept in check to the point where they do not allow interest rates to rally up to such an extent that people can't afford uh, to pay for their uh, own mortgages. They should also make sure that the energy companies are not making ludicrous profits because the price of oil and natural gas has gone through the roof and we're all paying a very, very high price for it. It's not much to ask, is it? It's just a government that actually is competent. It's all we are asking for. We've got a bit of breaking news. Apparently, the Prime Minister is going to hold a press conference later today. This message timed 11.06, Friday, uh, the 14th of October. You might remember on Monday, I came out and said straight away on the show, where's Liz Truss? Surely she should be coming out and talking about the economy. She should be coming out and talking about what the Bank of England is doing and why the interventions are necessary in the markets and what exactly is the plan. Now it's Friday. That's five days later, isn't it? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Yeah, five. Five days later, she's finally done what I suggested she do on Monday. Quasi Kwarteng has run back to London from Washington, where he was supposedly going to stay until tomorrow. Doesn't look great, does it? You have to say. Come on, guys. Would you get your act together? Uh, how about this from Pete? Uh, Liz Truss's incompetence is trashing our land of hope and glory. Get rid of her now. Um, and Angela says, if the plotters appoint Rishi Sunak, it will open the door to Sakir, and then we will need to really worry. Um, Rishi spent our money on furlough, chips and loans. And let's not forget Dominic Cummings is still there in the background. So much to think about, so much to talk about. Let's talk now, though, uh, instead to uh, Mr Ian Aitchison, former prison governor and Home Office senior civil servant, because, of course, the story that has amazed us this morning is that a jail governor has put a convict on a hiring panel for prison wardens. I mean, we all know the justice system is broken. We know the prison system isn't great. But this really does take the biscuit, doesn't it? Um, Ian, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Nice to be with you again. Nice to have you with us as well. Um, hard to believe this, isn't it? I mean, surely to heavens, you know about rehabilitation. You know that some prison reform people think that the more responsibility you give to criminals, the better it is for them. But I mean, really, do they really need to do this? Well, first of all, uh, Mike, can I just correct you on something, uh, including your, your headline? Please don't call them prison wardens. That's a very outdated, old-fashioned term. These are prison officers, right. uh, and they're professional people, and they, they deserve that. Uh, what they certainly don't deserve is, is this absurd and demeaning nonsense that uh, you, you've talked about today. It's very hard for ordinary people, I think, looking at uh, this uh, the sort of thing to to remember that this is a law enforcement agency with a public protection uh, you know, focus. Um, there's been a 23% increase in violence against uh, officers uh, in HMP Highdown, where this story comes from in the last year. Uh, you know, th this is not going to uh, do anything about that. What we need 
instead of these uh, absurd virtue signaling uh, efforts is uh, we need sufficient and suitable numbers of prison officers clearly and confidently in charge and helping prisoners turn their lives around. I'm afraid what we see increasingly is, uh, you know, the, these embarrassments being being brought to light in front of ministers. Now, yeah. I've seen this morning there's a press off a statement that says that uh, this um, uh, th this strategy has, has now been um, outlawed. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it has taken the media to reveal this for, for ministers to be able to react. And this is part of the problem. This is, you know, it, it's not because these things are intrinsically wrong uh, that, that they're being stopped. Yeah. Uh, there is a culture, I'm afraid to say, and I've, I've, I've written about this and spoken about this many times, that, that this is the thin end of, of the wedge of that is in place in the senior management of the prison service. I mean, this is the same organization that, you know, uh, insisted prisoners were uh, called residents in, in places that you'd hesitate to keep livestock, uh, that mandated pronouns to be put on badges, and that, that you know, introduced uh, on their own website reams of critical race theory uh, gibberish to persuade all staff that they were racist. This is part of a culture that uh, Brandon Lewis and uh, Rob Butler, his prisons minister, I mean, who knows how long they'll be in post these days, but well. uh, you know, I, hope they, I hope they stay because this is the sort of thing that they need to tackle. There is, there is a culture that uh, basically, I, I think, you know, looks upon imprisonment as a sort of distasteful necessity and the frontline staff that actually run it and protect the public uh, for people, you know, who are victims of their environment rather than people who've made a, a conscious choice to break the law. Mm. There's, there's plenty of good reason in prisons for prisoners to be involved in their, uh, in, in their incarceration. Because actually what we need to try to do is give people some responsibility to fit them for return to, you know, hopefully a, 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 a useful life after uh, release. Uh, you know, I, I, I was an officer in what some people might call the most woke prison in the, in the country, HMP Grendon, mm. for example, where, where prisoners, it was a therapeutic regime, and prisoners were, you know, rightly involved in lots of things. But they weren't involved in choosing who would be officers on their unit. That, that's an absolutely yeah. crazy and indefensible position to take. So we need to, you know, I think amongst all the other things that need to happen in, in, um, in the prison service, which is in crisis at the minute, you know, a thousand officers resigned from the service uh, over the last year that statistics are available. The majority of those had spent less than, you know, one year in service. That, mm. That's an expensive, uh, you know, waste on the, on the public purse. But what is it saying about the type of people that are coming in, seeing the environment that they're working in, and saying, I'd rather stack shelves in Aldi? Mm. And that is happening. Yes. They, are, they are priced out of the market, but it's also, it's not just the salaries, which have increased quite significantly uh, recently. It's also something to do with this culture, uh, which, which is basically, um, you know, uh, demeaning. Uh, prison staff, frontline prison staff who should be in charge. And they shouldn't be in charge because, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of drunk on, on uh, you know, uh, punitiveness or whatever. They should be in charge because prisoners need them to be in charge. Mm. Because when you have a lack of clarity, as you do now, across all sorts of our you know, prisons in the prison estate, there are exceptions, but, you know, you often have a lack of clarity about who is in charge in the prison. And that's not good for prison staff. It's certainly not good for prisoners. And it's absolutely you know, catastrophic for the victims of those people if they go into prison and nothing happens to them and anarchy reigns and they go out worse than they came in.
And the thing that people don't always take into account as well, Ian, is that the numbers of people in jail are there uh, because of the numbers of crimes that they have committed. You know, mostly you don't go to jail for a first-time offence. Most of them have committed, I'm th- I think I'm right in saying, minimum of maybe 20 or possibly 30 offences before they finally get jail time. Well, you know, yeah, you're right. There's a significant amount of, uh, of people who are repeat offenders who've been given every opportunity by the courts uh, to um, mend their ways and for whom, you know, custody is, is the only remaining alternative. A lot of people uh, included in that are people who torture, you know, working class communities with crime and antisocial behaviour. And those are the places I have to say as a kind of plastic criminologist myself those, those are the places where academic criminologists very seldom you know uh, dare to to visit and you know i i think there is clearly a need to uh to get control in prisons uh you know we, we don't have time now to talk about who should be in prison i think actually there are a lot of people who are uh, in prison who don't need to be in prison particularly those people who are drug addicted who've committed uh, acquisitive crimes that don't involve violence, but are still jamming up the system. You can't really run rehabilitation when you've got you know, four or five scared prison officers, very young in service, you know, looking after 130 yeah. people in a, in a captive environment where uh, you know, they, they can't control the drugs uh, economy, which is rampant. And you, know, you, you see the state being humiliated frequently if you go online you know you and i are a couple of clicks away from you know masked prisoners inside cells filming themselves you know singing misogynistic rap songs full of violence yeah. and then posting it live from prison so we've got a very serious problem and and this sort of nonsense is not the way it starts off right it. well we saw that thing with the uh, uh, the bloke who's doing time for the murder of stephen lawrence didn't we uh, with his with his xbox behind mm. him and his, his mobile phone which he apparently smuggled mm. in uh, in a rather intimate part of his mm. own body um let's move to a slightly different story that you've just tweeted out from yesterday's times article about prevent uh, mm. prevent scheme criticizes vague and poorly targeted um tell us more about that well, my organisation, the Counter Extremism Project that I, I, I work for, uh, produced a submission for William Shawcross's review of the Prevent Strategy, which your your listeners and viewers will hopefully know as part of our counterterrorism mm. strategy. And that's the, the bit of the strategy that is um, intended to stop people becoming terrorists by identifying worrying um, behaviour. Um, we, we have thought for some time, and I hope from the leaks, the Shawcross Review agrees with us, that far too many people, uh, young people in particular, are being drawn into the prevent orbit, who are you know, otherwise just sad, disaffected, many of whom certainly need a psychological intervention. Mm. They don't need a counter-terrorism intervention. But because more and more people are being referred into prevent, it dilutes the ability of the professionals that work within that to spot the, you know, the black swans, if you like, the really dangerous people who actually do need an intervention. So what we have said is that, you know, I, I have been on record before as saying, prevent is a parish council approach to a national security problem. Prevent needs to be nationalized. It needs to be taken away from local authorities. It needs to be professionalized. And the focus needs to be narrower and deeper because what we want to focus on here is not sad and disaffected kids who need a mental health referral or who needed one you know, five or six years ago and couldn't get one. We need to focus on the harm because if we do that, we have more chance of being able to stop things like the murder of uh, Sir David Amies, mm. whose anniversary is, of course, 
uh, coming up. And we're, we're, you know, we would hopefully be able to stop people who use prevent, unfortunately, and then go on to commit terrorist offences after they've pulled the wool over people's eyes because I'm afraid some of the people that work in prevent don't have the expertise mm. to be able to see what's in front of them, have the wool pulled over their eyes. So that's basically, you know, uh, where we would be in in sympathy with the, the article that says, you know, there's far too many people being shoved into a big funnel for the professionals that are working at the mm. front end to be able to make judgments on that are that are good and effective. No, quite. Ian, always good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Ian Aitchison, former prison governor, Home Office senior civil servant as well, of course, uh, involved with that counter-terrorism business which he says, uh, like many do, uh, isn't working as well as it ought to be. 0344 499 1000 uh, is the number. Tim says this, Mike, even Len McCluskey called Keir Starmer a liar uh, in reference to our talk earlier regarding Labour and the SNP. Tim, thank you very much indeed uh, for texting that into us. 87222, if you want to do that, start your message with the word talk. We've got more coming up right here on Talk TV. Online on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Uh, we've got so much to do here and we've got plenty of time to do it. And Ian Collins coming up at one o'clock, of course. Vanessa Feltz coming up uh, from four. I'll be back tonight on the talk at nine o'clock. Uh, so there's plenty for me to do. But before that, the Plank of the Week, the brand new Plank of the Week show is at 7pm as well. Uh, so uh, if you're not sick of me yet, you might be by the time uh, tonight uh, is over. Let's have a look at this. We've got some news for you. Plank of the Week is going up in the world. Guess what? We're going to be on TV. We're going to be out there on Friday night. We'll still be on YouTube, but it'll be bigger. It'll be bolder. It'll be better. So more planks. He's an arch-narcissist, controlling, fascist, sociopath. More guests. You've just spewed forth an enormous amount of bile. More fun. Don't talk to your neighbours. Just don't talk to them. (laughs) You know, it's Plank of the Week. I'm very proud of this, actually. Plank of the Week started off as a very small, uh, budgeted um, video that we shot uh, about two or three years ago after an original idea between myself and uh, Chuck Thomas, uh, who's the director. And and here we are about to launch ourselves on primetime television, 7pm tonight. Uh, Don't miss it. Still on YouTube if you want to see it there. Uh, How about this? Mike, I'm not saying that this is why Gary Lineker makes comments in the media that are contrary to the BBC's policy for employees, but it is worth noting that he's being pursued by HMRC for over £4 million in unpaid taxes, and that's because he's been treated by the BBC as a contractor, whereas HMRC argue that he is an employee. If I were him, I'd be doing everything I could to try and prove the BBC don't control what I say and do, says Mitch in North London. Well, interesting point. Let's talk about the government, though. Elliot Keck is here, Investigations Campaigns Manager at Taxpayers Alliance. We found out yesterday um, that there was uh, a lot of money, as much as £5 billion, lost to fraud and error in various COVID support schemes. The thing that worried me, to be honest, Elliot, and a very good morning to you, was how much money was actually handed out to people and to companies during that period. Well, it was absolutely extraordinary. And um, £5 billion is actually probably about the middle range of what the National Order Office Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
just think could have been lost to yeah. fraud and error there. Upper range is actually six point three billion pounds, and of course that's uh, that's forgetting all the other waste that we saw during the pandemic. Of course, these schemes had to be put in place um, incredibly quickly, but nevertheless, the 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 um, the lack of controls and the lack of checks were were really really shocking and were. Uh, Will um, will really frustrate taxpayers going through a very difficult time. Yeah, absolutely right. Because it seems to have been incredibly easy to to get money from the government, even if it was pretty obvious uh, that your business had not been going for very long. I mean, there were some companies I was reading who had set up their company at company's house um, mm. with all details of that company's history, literally the day before they applied for loans and applied for grants, and it would appear that the company had only just been created for that purpose. Well, absolutely. And that's why at the time we, we broadly supported the speed which were, these schemes were being implemented, but said that the Fraud Act needed to be amended to bring in really harsh penalties for anybody that used these schemes fraudulently. And if, if, if we'd had that amendment, then then we could see the uh, government and the police going after these people with the full force of the law. But I think it speaks to a broader problem that sometimes speed is necessary, but but often as a result of speed, you see huge amounts of waste. And if you now look at the energy price cap that they're bringing in, this is another area where you're thinking, if they just took that little bit more time and thought about the best way to implement these necessary schemes, you could you could save taxpayers a lot of money. Yes, I mean, one of the things that we get as an explanation often from the civil service and from the government is that it's easier to give everybody the money than it is to kind of delineate certain groups and to keep it away from certain other groups because that's too expensive to do. But that doesn't seem to me to, to, to hold water, really. I mean, surely if you're giving away money to people who don't need it or who shouldn't be getting it, you're getting it wrong. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and there is sometimes something to be said for simplicity, especially during, during a pandemic. But, you know, when taxpayers see that billions and billions of pounds have been lost to fraud and error and that the government is not really going after these people with enough energy and enough vigour, and at the same time they're looking at potential... Uh, U-turns to taxation policy that will mean they're going to have to be paying more at the end of the month. I think it's really, really frustrating for some people. Mm, I think it is. Now, we've got more drama today uh, from the government and from the particularly from the Treasury. Quasi Kwarte flying back to Heathrow, uh, we think, prematurely early from the IMF conference in Washington, D.C. Uh, we've got the Prime Minister announcing a press conference this afternoon. Uh, we're told that there might be more reversals, more U-turns uh, on the Chancellor's mini-budget. What are you hearing? Well, only, only uh, that, as you said, the, the Chancellor looks to have returned and that there is expected to be a press conference this afternoon. I mean, we're really, really hoping that the uh, Prime Minister sticks to her guns. We, we, we're broadly supportive of the mini-budget. We did point out very, very firmly in our statement that she needed to uh, focus on spending cuts and, and find ways to ensure that the books were being balanced and that it wasn't the taxpayers of future generations that were going to be paying for the for the borrowing. But listen, the, the greatest part of the mini-budget, the most expensive part, was the energy package. That's going to cost tens of billions, maybe hundreds of billions of pounds. And and it's there where you do wonder, could they not have looked at a way to potentially maybe cap the amount of um, uh, uh, capped energy that, that someone could gain access to? Was it maybe better to do cash transfer? So, you know, we should remember that the most expensive part of this mini budget weren't the tax cuts, weren't the tax cuts for working people, for households, for businesses. It was a massive energy package that is going to be helping some of the yeah. uh, the best off in our society. Well, that's why so many people who were, like you guys, in favour of some of the measures in the budget, um, mini-budget, whatever you want to call it, uh, were so kind of taken aback by the reaction in a way, really, because the money that, that was the city was effectively objecting to that wasn't supposedly costed mm-hmm. is tiny when you think about the money that the government have given away over the past three years. Oh, absolutely. No, I think that's spot on. I mean, so the corporation tax... 
uh, well, the, the uh, decision to not increase corporation tax has been estimated to cost about 18 billion pounds, which mm. is a fraction of what the uh, the energy price cap will do. And I think it's a reminder that when governments intervene in the markets and intervene in the, um, the the process of supply and demand, it causes huge, huge costs to the taxpayer. And this is what we're seeing with the energy price, price uh, cap. Absolutely right. And I mean, just fiscally, um, in terms of what it is that they may be you turning on, and I appreciate that, you know, it's not known yet what they are going to do. But I mean, if Liz Truss, you know, fiscally decides that these uh, measures are all wrong and that, sh- that actually Rishi Sunak was right in the first place, I mean, where does that leave her politically? Well, listen, it's an incredibly difficult situation. I mean, she she, she did show a bold vision for a, uh, a higher growth, lower tax society, but what she probably failed to recognise is that a low-tax society also needs to have the necessary spending constraints or otherwise people will have concerns about government borrowing, particularly when interest rates going up. So it is a very, very difficult situation for her. Yeah, we're a very long way from a low-tax society, though, and even with her measures, that would have been a very long way away as well. Because people talk to me about the US and the difference between the healthcare system and all of that. You get taxed an awful lot less in America than you do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have a lot more of their own money to spend on their kids' education, on their own healthcare plans. You know, we're getting tax even if they hadn't reversed the 45 percent we're still getting taxed at 40 percent that means if you are making a hundred thousand pounds a year you're paying forty thousand pounds in tax you know that's a lot of money yeah and in particular if you go above a hundred thousand pound a year and you see the personal allowance withdrawn then then that that um that marginal tax rate between about 100 and about 130,000 pounds goes up to more like 60% and I think you know there's particularly some people such as GPs that actually choose to only work four days a week because the tax rate just goes to an impossible level so you know what we saw in the mini budget was ultimately a reversal of a situation where the taxation level had got to a 70 year high and only threatened to get worse and worse and worse with things like the corporation tax increase we what we what we didn't see is we didn't see a true return to a uh, lower tax, higher growth society. We saw what what we were hoping was going to be the breaks mm. on a higher tax society, and 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 if if she U-turns, it will be incredibly disappointing. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Elliot. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed, Elliot Keck, Investigations Campaigns Manager at the Taxpayers Alliance. It will be disappointing, not least for the people who voted Liz Truss in, in order to give tax cuts to the people, because that's why she beat Rishi Sunak, who didn't want to give tax cuts to the people. See what I mean? This is Talk TV. Edgy talk, plain talk, unrivaled talk. Mike Graham, the only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. This is, of course, the one place where you hear what is really going on uh, in the corridors of power. Uh, the breaking news we seem to be about to break, uh, hasn't actually happened yet, uh, is that Quasi Kwarteng is going to be sacked at some point this afternoon, probably before 2pm when Liz Truss is supposed to be giving a press conference to explain what it is that she's now going to do about the mini-budget, which appears to now be completely in tatters, which appears now to be the subject of another U-turn at the very least on corporation tax. It looks very much as though there will be a new Chancellor announced this afternoon at that press conference, at which point I think everybody will just collectively throw their hands in the air and just exhale a big sigh. Because this is a government, ladies and gentlemen, that does not appear to even know what it's going to do in the next two hours, never mind in the next two days, never mind in the next two weeks. Let's talk to Ryan Saby, Deputy Police Leisure at The Sun. Ryan, a very good afternoon to you. Uh, Fast-moving things at the moment. What are you hearing? 
Yeah, it seems um, that we'll get um, the confirmation that Kwasi Kwarteng will be sacked as uh, as Chancellor in the, in, the, in the next hour or so. I imagine, um, like most sackings, um, when it comes to cabinet level, it's the Prime Minister who likes to do it face to face. You always hear during those uh, reshuffles that the ministers get trundled up into the Prime Minister's office um, to be told they're no longer welcome or they're no longer part of uh, of the government. And I imagine that's probably what's happening now. Quasi uh, Kwarteng um, arrived at Heathrow about an hour or so ago, has made his way to Downing Street. He's right there now. And um, I imagine the dirty business of the, of the sacking is happening as, as we speak or is about to. Now, the problem I suspect for Liz Truss, though, is that over the last week or so, uh, she and Kwasi Kwarteng have been sort of joined at the hip as the only two people who were really sticking up uh, for the policies that they announced in the mini budget. So she can hardly separate herself from it, can she? No, this this is the really difficult point for for, for Liz Truss. Um, she built her leadership campaign on on these on these big tax cuts. Um, Kwasi Kwarteng was with her every, every single step of step of the way. And even Downing Street this morning, um, we're talking about three or four hours ago, were saying um, Kwasi uh, uh, Liz Truss were in lockstep and they're working together on this plan. So how she extricates herself from this um, is is very very difficult. And she'll do her best to sort of reset. Um, her premiership in a way when she holds this press conference but really she's tied to these decisions and it's just it's, it's always painful to watch it's incredible to, to, to watch isn't it I mean because if she does reverse as as, as, as is being t- 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 tanked around that she is likely to reverse the uh, the corporation tax uh, decision and put it up to 25 percent from 19 percent she's basically going against her own advice she spent a great deal of time in hustings some of which you guys organized some of which we did you know explaining why cutting taxes was the way to growth explaining why rishi sunak's plans to kind of borrow uh, more money and to somehow keep giving money away was not the answer well she's now basically said that everything that she campaigned for is a load of rubbish yeah th- th- this was the centerpiece you know she went up and down the country um, uh, the hustings telling them exactly what her plans were. This was her, this was a part of her plan for growth. Um, she the, the markets have been in absolute turmoil um, over the over the over the past few weeks, and uh, she's got to find to try and find a, a way out of this. But the trouble with with all these decisions is that her authority is um, is absolutely shot. If she can't get the centerpiece of her leadership campaign and what she's um, and what she's, what she's talked up in the in the past few weeks. Where does she stand? And where does this leave all those Tory MPs who are circling at the moment? And where does that leave them in terms of who they want to see, uh, whether they want to see her carry on as leader or whether they want to uh, see someone else uh, in charge? And if this is all a pooch, uh, if, if you like, by the Rishi Sunak brigade and his um, uh, supporters, people who thought that he would be better uh, put in charge of the economy, uh, where does he figure in all of this? Is there a chance that he gets asked back to be Chancellor under Liz Truss? There- then I, I find it very, very difficult to see Rishi Sunak coming uh, coming back in any way. There, he was he was asked this um, during over over the summer. Um, she had the opportunity to put him into uh, to cabinet, and obviously that that that, that wasn't forthcoming. But um, there has been talk of, of Tory MPs trying to come up with a, with a dream ticket, and the two names that keep coming up: um, Penny Morden and Rishi Sunak. Um, you'd have Rishi as Prime Minister and, and Penny Morden as a as as the, as the Chancellor. But again. Is that really going to unite unite the party? Um, you then have you know have all the Liz Truss um, fans and supporters in 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 the party who would be absolutely aghast at this. Yeah. So actually holding that coalition together 
is going to get increasingly difficult as uh, I say as the days and weeks go on, as the hours go yeah. on. I mean, well, this is it. So I mean, I said, I mean, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have my tongue in my cheek when I said they don't even seem to know what they're going to do over the next two hours, never mind over the next two days. But I mean, I don't see how unity is achieved by putting a man in charge uh, who was not elected in a fair election. Uh, he lost that election inside the Conservative Party. Enough people have said that that's not enough people to elect a prime minister of this country. Surely to put somebody in who didn't even win the election of just a few uh, thousand people, if you like, um, that's not going to unite the party, never, and it's certainly not going to unite the country. No, exactly. And I think if you look back at the... the what would the Tory member, members do? I mean, they'd be ripping up their, their cards and uh, uh, leaving a, a pace. I, I just can't see Rishi Sunak coming back under, under a Liz Truss government. And um, this is, this is the, the Tory MPs and uh, the, even the ministers are really, really angry at the way that um, she didn't try and make that church broad, you know, that Conservative Party and that government broad and invite um, Rishi Sunak supporters, um, those who backed him in the leadership contest, into government. Um, and that's one of, her, one of her main failings, really. I think if she had set out from the very, very beginning that she wanted to be an all-encompassing government and reflect the whole party, I think she'd be in a better position than what she is today. I think you're absolutely right. Listen, Ryan, I know you've got a busy time ahead of you this afternoon. Thanks very much for sparing uh, a few minutes to speak to us. Ryan Sabie, Deputy Solicitor of The Sun. We await news, confirmed news, that Kwasi Kwarteng has been fired or is about to be fired or is literally being fired as we speak. Uh, press conference supposedly at two o'clock from Liz Truss. Let's go uh, slightly off to the side, talk to Dave Ward, CWU General Secretary. Uh, he is, of course, the man who represents uh, the unions at the Royal Mail. Royal Mail announcing this morning uh, that they're going to lose 10,000 people, uh, some through what they're saying is voluntary redundancy. We had a caller, Dave, a very good afternoon to you, uh, in this troubled mm-hmm. afternoon that we've got here. Um, we had a caller this morning, Mick from Bromley, he's a postie, uh, who said that a lot of what uh, the Royal Mail is claiming uh, is a load of old cobblers. What do you say? Well, I agree with what Mick is saying. Um, and let me be absolutely clear Uh, The reason why this announcement has taken place today is it's part of a tactic in our ongoing dispute. We've been warning about Royal Mail's mismanagement of the company for months and months now, and it is gross mismanagement. This company has gone from record profits only back in April to now saying they're losing a million pounds a day and they want to blame postal workers for that. What we're doing, Mike, is fighting against the very things that they've shown their hand on today. And let me be absolutely clear, it's going to get worse if we don't succeed in that fight. Because what their real plan is, is to get rid of Royal Mail. It's to turn it into a parcel courier gig economy style, replace existing postal workers with workers on 20% less pay and also self-employed contracts. Mm. We've been saying this for months. It is a very serious situation. We're not walking away from this dispute. We're fighting for the very future of our members' jobs and the future of the company. Can I also say that there is a bright future for Royal Mail? We had a modernisation agreement. They are lying about saying that the union never agreed to modernise. We had an agreement that the company have walked away from. Even yesterday, we're saying to the company, can you explain to us why you've walked away from our agreement. They've stalled talks for six months. Um, You know, I heard you talking there about people being sacked uh, in government um, for some of their failings. Well, I have to say, we want to see a government inquiry into the actions of the board, the CEO, who have lost the total confidence of the entire workforce of Royal Mail. 
Yeah, it certainly does seem to be a shambles. I mean, it could be said, though, could it not, Dave, that you guys going on strike didn't exactly help the matter because now here you are and they're threatening to fire people. Mike, the, the problem that we face is a real one, is that if we just give in to what Royal Mail is saying, then you are going to see the end of daily deliveries to 32 million addresses in the UK. You're going to see postal workers being kicked out anyway, managed out of the business, and they're going to be replaced. It's part of the proposals that Royal Mail put in front of the union to reduce pay by 20% um, and to also bring in self-employed contract workers in front of all of those posties right up and down the UK who have a unique and special relationship with their customers. We cannot accept that. And, you know, we will do any agreement that gives this company a chance to build its future. We've got ideas on that. We had an agreement on it on how we were going to modernize. They've walked away from it. And it, and I'll tell you now, it is about an asset stripping business plan. They're not telling the truth. And we want to see the government intervene and actually do a forensic look at their business plan and their accounts. And I'm guaranteeing you now, it will back up what we're saying. And you're calling for an urgent meeting with the board um, to put an alternative business plan. So let's have a, a listen to what your alternative business plan is. Okay, so yes, we're calling for an urgent meeting with the board. We've actually written, I could show you the letters, we've been writing for months. So the agreement that we had previously that they've walked away from um, had a strategy for the future of Royal Mail based on three three things, capturing parcel growth, um, expanding the role of postal workers in a way that would see local and regional economies grow, um, new products, new services, adding social value as well, many of the things that postal workers do at the moment. Uh, and the third part of the plan was if we could minimise uh, letter decline. Now, that's very difficult. No one's suggesting that you can do that. What this is about, in our view, is they want to bring a new workforce in and turn it into uh, another parcel courier. We want to use the existing workforce um, to develop new ideas, new plans for Royal Mail, where you can deliver and save money by delivering parcels with the letters. So it's the existing employees. And what I would say to you is our plan will be based on leveraging the fact that Royal Mail actually delivers to 32 million addresses every day. What what Royal Mail are doing is moving away from that completely. It is a mad business plan and it is definitely linked to the potential takeover of Royal Mail by a private equity investment group based in Luxembourg, who are currently already being investigated by the government uh, as part of that takeover bid. What we're asking is, come in and look, get us on there with Simon Thompson. I'll come on your show with him anytime you want, and we'll debate the truth about what's really going on. Okay, Dave, thanks very much for talking to us. Dave Ward there, CWU General Secretary, uh, says that this is all um, a bit of fake news being put out by Royal Mail, who say they want to sack minimum 6,000 people, make those roles redundant. Mick, uh, down in uh, um, uh, South London, Bromley, he was a postie. He said to us that basically this is all about not filling jobs which actually uh, are currently vacant. So that's not really making loads of people redundant. But is it all about selling it off to a private equity company the way lots of things are doing? Uh, Is the Royal Mail in need of uh, some form of modernisation? I don't really get any posts anymore. You might use the parcel service quite a lot. I I have a lot of time and respect for posties and people who work for the post office. It's not a pleasant job when you're walking around out on the outside in the wind and the rain and the snow and the sleet and all the rest of it. Um, And I've got a lot of time for the posties. So 
if the Royal Mail are messing this up, we need to know. We need to be told. We're going to talk to some more of you, though, uh, because we're right in the midst of another political earthquake. Uh, Peter Cardwell, Talk Radio's Political Editor, is coming up next. We'll take some calls as well. Loads of you to talk to. Uh, and those morons, by the way, from Just Stop Oil have now just thrown some tomato soup over a Van Gogh painting at the National Gallery. I mean, really, how much more of this are we supposed to put up with? This is Talk TV. Online on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here at Talk TV. Uh, two statements coming uh, at you from Downing Street. Downing Street will not be commenting uh, on the speculation around Kwasi Kwarteng's uh, job or the future of his job as Chancellor, uh, but he will not be attending uh, the press conference with Liz Truss. Right then, um, I think we could probably assume he might be on his way out. Let's talk to Richard in London. Hi, Richard. Hello, Mike. Yeah, I mean, I think this is uh, chaos, really. Um, and it's hopeless, isn't it? I- I think if you bring it back, um, what caused this? Um, this was a tax cut two or three weeks ago that caused hysteria in the city. Now, this, is something, this tells us something, I think, very, very worrying, because if there's one group of people in the country that you'd expect to not be phased by a tax cut, it's the city. They should be welcoming a tax cut. But I think, Mike, and I, I think there's a sense, um, firstly, of... What I can only call hysteria across society. I think mean, it might be a kind of hang on. Uh, it might be almost a sort of something, almost a leftover from the pandemic. I think in the pandemic caused panic. And I think now, if you look at problems like the energy crisis, earlier in the summer, people were saying, oh, the energy crisis, there's going to be civil unrest. This is hysteria. This is simple madness. And I think the other problem, I think what's becoming clear to me, um, is that. We are facing some really quite unresolvable problems. Um, I'll name you just three. Now, we've agreed that the, the city a couple of week, weeks ago had a panic attack over a tax cut. Now, we can't... Well, we don't agree about that, actually. They didn't have a panic attack. They saw an opportunity to make a bucket load of money, which is what they did. But, but, but Mike, we all know that we can't keep having bailouts. We had, we had an £800 million bailout for the city. Yeah, I agree with that. Then we had a bailout over the furlough. Um, we bail out the NHS every year, mm-hmm. um, and the government was about to have a, have a bailout of the energy. Um, now, we can't go on as an economy like that. Um, I'll name you a second um, unresolvable problem. This issue with, with our borders and, and, and people coming in via, via Dover, clearly the politicians, clearly our Conservative government, feel, feel uh, unable to, to leave this um, European Court of Human Rights. Maybe they think they simply won't get it through Parliament. But but again, this is a problem. That yeah, but these are not unresolvable, Richard. I take your point. We're in a bit of a hurry today, so let's let's talk again because I'd like to expand on some of the things you said. But I need to talk to Peter Cardwell. Uh, he's our talk radio political editor, of course. Um, these are uh, rather interesting times, Peter. Just got a bit more interesting. Fascinating. Four chancellors since July, by the look of things. Quasi Quarting looks at. To <laughs> That's got to be a record. Second. Well, well, yeah, it must be, and Kwasi Kwarteng looks set to be the second shortest-serving Chancellor ever, if he is indeed sacked, which looks as if it is going to be the case. The question is, who's next? Of course, apparently not Sajid Javid. Uh, Jeremy Hunt is out of the country. It's anybody's guess, maybe Nadim Zahawi, who was Chancellor for two months, mm. um, possibly Steve Barclay, possibly uh, Simon Clark, who's the levelling-up secretary. But this is massive, and it's really interesting because Liz Truss very clearly said this is her economic vision this is what she 
Uh, she talked about she and Quasi Quartag being in lockstep in terms of their economic vision. Jacob Rees Mogg, just a couple of days ago, said that the uh, turbulence, as uh, Quasi Quartag put it, in the markets was nothing to do with the, the mini budget. That clearly isn't the case. And the fact is that Quasi Quartag flying home to be sacked. Hmm. And the fact that this um, press conference is going to take place in uh, Downing Street at two o'clock. It's really crazy political times. In fact, it's so crazy. I'm coming in on my day off. So as soon as I get off there, well I'm done. On the tube, well, I'm you should know in. better than to take a day off during this particularly febrile period of political intrigue. Because the point it's about all point, of, Mike. The, 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 point. the point about all of this, right, is that as you say, they were in lockstep. At one point, they were really the only two people defending the mini budget, and the and, and her entire campaign to win uh, the leadership contest against Rishi Sunak was based upon her belief that tax cuts contribute and create economic growth so if she's now saying that that's not true or she's not going to do it because too many people disagree what's the point of her well that's the question and that's the question anybody's going to ask at the press conference what did the chancellor get wrong Hmm. what did he do that he should not have done and the thing is that quasi quartang did exactly what he was supposed to do he did exactly what he was told to do and exactly what he wanted to do because he and Liz Truss have exactly the same economic vision they have for years. They co-authored chapters in a book together called Britannia Unchained about 10 years ago where they set out this very strong vision. She is someone who says this is going to work, that there's going to be growth in five years. Basically, every economist or almost every economist disagrees with her. So does the International Monetary Fund. He's flying home because of this crisis. And the fact is that uh, the markets have rejected it, and somewhat ironically, for Liz Truss and Quasi Quartang, who put so much stall by the markets, who said that free market economics is the way forward. You've got to let the market work. We can't have uh, protectionism. We can't have ways in which uh, we manipulate the market to help people or to do things that we shouldn't, uh, that wouldn't otherwise happen mm. if the market was as free. And now the markets have rejected their uh, their vision for this. So I think this is really serious, and it is the last rule of a dice of Liz Truss. You know, she is in tremendous trouble that she's throwing one of her best political friends, and they are quite close personally as well, she's throwing them under a bus to see if her own skin. Mm. It's an extraordinary uh, affair. It's an extraordinary situation. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I think as we speak, uh, there is breaking news that he is, in fact, likely to be sacked. Uh, In fact, not only to be sacked, but in fact is and has now been sacked, just been confirmed uh, by the BBC, Peter. So he's out. Um, Yep. Incredible no surprise uh, there. We knew we knew it was coming, of course, but the fact that uh, this has happened, I mean, this is very, very serious. For any prime minister to sack their chancellor, this is uh, about as serious as things get. The chancellor is the second most important person in the country. It'll be really interesting to see what the markets do today as yeah. well. The Bank of England is is continuing its bailout of the uh, of the debt markets. We'll see what happens across the afternoon whether they react positively to this. And the question is, who's next? Yeah. And also. Is that person going to continue Liz Truss's ideas for the economy or is it going to be something totally different, well, which undermines her position as well? Mike? Well, this is the thing. I mean, one of the reasons Boris Johnson had to walk away from his job was because he couldn't appoint enough people to his cabinet because they didn't really think that he was going to be there very long. She may have the same problem. She won't. She may not be able to find somebody to be chancellor. I think that's probably uh, something she's worried about. I think chancellor is something that she has probably enough allies to fill that post. But if there are these 30 or so elders within the Conservative Party who are getting together, working out what on earth the Conservative Party is going to be next, then uh, that is that is very, very dangerous for Liz Truss. Will this be enough to calm them down? She's been Prime Minister for 38 days. 
Jesus, of course, was in the wilderness for 40 days. The Conservatives are hoping they will be in the wilderness for a heck of a lot longer, especially after the 2020. <laughs> well, back. listen, I think Liz Truss has certainly needed some kind of miracle. I'm not quite sure if the laying on of the hands is going to do the trick this afternoon. But thank you very much indeed. Peter Cardwell, uh, Talk Radio's political editor. On his day off, coming back in, I would do that if I were you, because they're not going to have a day off for a while, uh, I think. Don't book any uh, long holidays. Don't book away uh, any time at the weekend. Just stay in the office because it's a moving feast. Sean in Durham, stay where you are. We'll come to you after the news on DAB plus on the app talk radio and talk TV welcome back to the independent republic of Mike Graham right here on talk TV breaking news Quasi Kwarteng is out as chancellor and we don't know who's coming in Liz Truss might not be able to find anyone who actually wants to do the job uh, that's how much of a poison chalice it is uh, but four chancellors uh, I think in what, in the last two months, is that what Peter Cardwell said? Uh, we're going to talk to um, uh, Christopher Snowden from the IEA coming up very shortly. But just before we do that, uh, let's not forget there are still uh, some eco-zealots knocking around. Some morons from Just Stop Oil have visited the National Gallery and done this. Have a look. Pair of numpties have just thrown tomato soup over sunflowers, the painting by Van Gogh, which is worth millions and millions of pounds. They've probably ruined it forever. Um, George Orr says this might be future reference. Can any motorists finding themselves in a traffic jam due to the just stop all morons just walk up to these privileged children, their grandparents glued to the road in front of them and pour a tin of Heinz tomato soup over them? I think you can. I think it's open season, isn't it? Uh, let's talk to Sean in Durham. Hey, Sean. Hello, Sean. <laughs> Oh, it couldn't get any worse, could it? Uh, well, I keep saying that, Sean, but it keeps getting worse. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, mate. She's got to resign this afternoon and call a budget, a uh, 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 general election, like, because we can't cope with this any longer, like. Well, it's quite this amusing, is... though, isn't it, for you? It's... <laughs> I'll tell you what is brilliant, mate. Absolutely, I couldn't read a book about him, but it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, just wait till you, you see what Labour... Just wait till you see... The decent wait... thing she can... The decent thing she can do t- this afternoon is say, look, I've had enough. I, I, we've got things wrong. I'm, I'm resigning. I can't take any more. I know. That's, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's what most people would do. We talk about politicians here, Sean, but thanks for your thoughts. Uh, Sean, very happy about this. He doesn't like the Tories much. Uh, I'm not sure the Labour Party would do any better, though. Let's talk to Christopher Snowden, Head of Lifestyle Economics of the IA. Christopher, um, a very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. It's hard to imagine... A government less in control of events, really, than this, isn't it? Yeah, it seems totally chaotic and totally dysfunctional. I mean, I would assume that Liz Truss is hoping for some kind of reset um, in her government, and uh, I guess is using Quasi as a scapegoat. I mean, I don't think anyone seriously thinks that Quasi's been doing anything that, that Liz Truss doesn't want to do herself. Mm. Um, it seems to smack of desperation to me. Yeah, well, I mean, if they are to change policy now in midstream, which would go against everything that she campaigned for in the summer, against every idea that she had that tax cuts would make uh, the economy grow, then surely that leaves her without anywhere to go and nothing to stand on. Pretty much, yes. I mean, I don't think actually a lot of these tax cuts were absolutely integral to the plan for growth. What I was hoping for when the mini-budget came along was that it would be followed by a succession 
of policies looking at areas of regulation that can be changed in order to inspire growth that's how you, you really get the productivity going we keep hearing about these brexit benefits and we don't hear any real announcements about policy changes so you know cutting a, a penny off income tax you know that will help growth to some extent uh, albeit funded by more debt but what we really wanted to see was was deregulation that's how you're going to get growth instead we got these tax cuts and now we've got effectively a tax rise and it looks like um, the government is going to put up corporation tax to 25%, which yeah. is significantly above the European or the Eurozone average. At the moment, it's just below the European average. Now, if you're trying to get growth, if you're trying to get investment, that is the last thing you should be doing. You'd be better off cancelling the cut on income tax, I think, than cutting the, the uh, than increasing the rate of corporation tax. Yeah. So we're ending up again with what Liz Truss was railing about only last week well exactly right i mean it is high high tax low growth economy yeah it is as bad as as it looks and but the trouble is christopher every time i say it can't get any worse it kind of does so is she going to have to face an election because surely to heavens people and i've said before she may find it difficult finding somebody who wants to be chancellor under her uh, prime ministership because it might not be for very long well, you could say that, but Boris Johnson managed it, didn't he? On the very last day in office, you know, he had um, I think Nadim Zahawi became chancellor. Yes, very but I mean, one of the reasons he time. had, to, but one of the reasons he had to leave was that he couldn't form a cabinet. Well, yeah, this is true. I don't think I don't think we're at that stage yet with um, with the Trust administration, but things are clearly in a downward spiral. Mm. And it's going to be very difficult to have this reset that she wants. You know, it's not my job to talk about the politics of it, but the, the polling clearly is absolutely abysmal for the Tory Party. At the moment, um, the the markets obviously haven't liked a lot of what she's done. Um, I don't think it's completely impossible to turn that side of it around in terms of the financial markets. I think the opinion polling is going to be a big bigger problem for you. You know, the first impression turned out to be terrible, and it's going to be very difficult to row back from that. Unfortunately, it really is absolutely incredible times. I mean, if you were to be um, a betting man, I don't I don't know whether you are. I mean, do you give her seventeen days that the mail said she had to save her job, or is it going to be all over? before the end of that i really don't know i mean i i think that the markets the betting markets are still suggesting that it's more likely she'll cling on till next year than than resign before the end of this year mm. but uh, those prices are changing very quickly at the moment so <laughs> look i i don't really know but i mean they, they, she hasn't really got enough of the party behind her i don't think and so the the, the markets and the public look at the government and I think if the Tories were united behind this pro-growth agenda, then they could fix some of the, the, the problems from the mini-budget and proceed with that. But it seems that a lot, like a lot of the Tory MPs really don't like the, even the idea of trying it. Mm. You know, they just want to stay in this in this cycle of secular stagnation that we've seen with the economy. So, you know, I still think that Liz Truss's you know, basic idea of, of generating economic growth in order to pay for public services is absolutely the way forward. But it seems almost impossible mm. for her to get anything through government. And to be fair, she hasn't actually uh, yeah, proposed that much other than these tax cuts. No, exactly right. It's a shocking state of affairs. Christopher, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Christopher Stone, Head of Lifestyle Economics at the IEA. I don't think anybody uh, would take any bets right now on how long Liz Truss has got for this world in terms of being the Prime Minister. Jackie in Shrewsbury says this. Hi, Mike. What on earth is the Conservative Party doing? They are handing the next election to Labour and that makes me feel so angry. Liz Truss, apparently this lady is for 
turning. Either she and the Chancellor believed in what they were doing or they didn't. Uh, why a U-turn now makes the party look a disgrace and the Prime Minister so weak. The MPs will only be happy when Sunak gets in and I won't be voting for them again. I certainly can't vote Labour and so I don't know where that leaves me. All politicians on both sides are a disgrace and the people of this country deserve better. Well, this is what I said uh, this morning when I was talking to Jeremy Kyle. You know, these MPs are an absolute and utter disgrace. They have betrayed uh, the people who voted for them, regardless of which party they are in. Uh, we are looking now uh, at a ridiculously uh, unusual situation where we have no chance to look up right now. Uh, Kwasi Kwarteng has been sacked. Uh, whether or not Liz Truss can find somebody else who wants to do the job is all up in the air. But all of these MPs who have been plotting behind Liz Truss's back, and I include Penny Mordaunt in that, I include Rishi Sunak in that, I include all the people who voted for Rishi Sunak and who have now been working towards uh, getting Liz Truss removed as Prime Minister, even though she was democratically elected, even though some people said it wasn't by very many people, it was just by 80-odd uh, thousand people in the Tory party. Whatever it is, the numbers don't matter. The point is she won an election fair and square. If you seek to remove that person and appoint somebody as Prime Minister, I don't think the great British public will wear that. And I don't think I will wear it. And if it does mean that there has to be an election, then maybe that's where we have to go. Maybe the Tory party do need a period of time in isolation. I, for one, do not want to see a Labour government in this country. I really don't. But I don't want to see this either. This is a shambles. It's absolutely an omni-shambles. There's another word I can't say what it is. But it starts with cluster. And it ends with, uh, you know what it ends with. I don't know where this ends, but it don't look good to me. 0344 499 1000. I mean, who would want to be Chancellor right now in this day and age with Liz Truss in the Prime Minister's seat? No one. This is Talk TV. Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.